This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch the left field deep. Bam going back, looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. Goal for Yelich. Cody Bellinger hits one out. He does. So he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, it happened again, and I should not be shocked, but it happened again. You know the other night, if you were listening to the post-game show, I just went off on the coverage of the A's and the win streak. Like baseball, whether it's MLB Network or it's MLB.com, just, I mean, they'll show the highlights, but they're not this, you know, they're just, they're not paying attention. And now the A's have won 14 of 15. They've hit 26 home runs in that span. I mean, I got all these notes. A starting pitchers are 10 and 1 with a 2.92 ERA over the last 14 games. A's have allowed two runs or fewer in eight of the last 10 games with a 2.20 ERA. The bullpen has not allowed a run in eight of the last 11 games with a 1.89 ERA. They're 13 and 0 and they out homer the opposition. They're 5 and 0 in one run games. I can go on and on and on. So I was recently just on my couch, and I turn on MLB Now. And I think about all the stories going on in baseball as we speak. Boston Red Sox are a huge surprise. Kansas City Royals, huge surprise. A's, not a surprise. I think to everybody back east, though, because no one picked them, I guess we'll call them a surprise. How about the NL East? They're, it's terrible. The Mets are leading the NL East with a 9-8 and eight record. That's a story. Brewers out to a good start. Dodgers, Giants, Padres. What do they lead MLB now? My favorite show on the network. But what's the lead story for them? Just take a guess, Cody. I didn't see the show. I'm just going to guess because of something that happened last night, uh, along with well, something that happened in our game. I'm going to guess it's going to be Aaron Boone's inability to challenge the play at home against the Orioles, where Matt Harvey shut down the Yankees. But that's not the story. It's the story of the Yankees not being able to challenge a play at third base. Is that what it was? It was bigger than that. It was the Yankees – how they just don't play good baseball. And Joel Sherman compared him to like a heavyweight boxer with a big punch. And he used the example of George Foreman. George Foreman, multiple times, heavyweight champion of the world, boxing Hall of Famer. George had to set you up, knock you out. And they're talking about how they just don't play good baseball. If they don't hit a bunch of homers, They can't beat you. And I'm sitting here going, wait, what's their record? They're in last place? And that's what you're leading the show off with is, but you know what? Brian Kenny is a Yankee fan. Joel Sherman, all he, he covers the Yankees. That's all these people care about. And the 29 other teams hardly exist. It's unbelievable. It really, I hate to start the show out like this, but, I mean, it, it's just bad for baseball. It really, really is bad for baseball. What they, the, they, they, act like, they act like there's one team and then there's 29 other teams. And it's just, I turned it off. I, I, if you're only trying to get Yankee fans to watch, good luck. But if, if that's all you talk about, I'm out. And when I'm out, I'm out, as Barry Bonds once told me. 
if you want to talk about the NL East and not talk about the Mets leading division at 9-8, as you mentioned, talk about how every team in that division has a negative run differential but one. Can you guess which team in that division has a positive run differential in the NL East? Not looking at it, I'll go Philly. Uh, incorrect. The answer is the COVID Marlins have a plus nine run differential, and they are in fourth place in the division. So you could talk about that for a segment if you really wanted to talk about something, how all those teams are struggling to uh, stop the other team from scoring runs. Newsflash, you're not going to win games if you score less runs than the other team. But to lead with the Yankees and how bad they're playing, I get it. It's the Yankees. They're playing bad. But to not even credit Matt Harvey for what he did against them last night and how the Yankees won 18 straight games against the or- uh, Orioles before the Orioles won that one, I think, four in a row at home at Camden Yards against the Yankees. It's a completely different thing. It doesn't matter. It's all about how the Yankees, oh, they're 9-13, but 22 games in. It's time It's time to fire Aaron Boone. When's Brian Cashman going to hold another emergency press conference? Well, and they're, they're, I mean, you got the Shohei Otani game last night, which I think we've nailed it here on this show. I, it's just him as a pitcher – I don't know exactly what you're going to expect from him long-term. I mean, he has a great arm, can't stay healthy. He doesn't give you innings. You've built a rotation around him and made it a six-man rotation. But his value is clearly as a hitter. Until he's someone that can give you over 200 innings and start every five days, you know, you're you're babying a guy with a great arm who hasn't really proved much. We know he's got electric stuff. It's just, you know, you're going to build everything around a a guy that, that, you know, (laughs) you're lucky you get five innings from him. But as a hitter, he's a monster. I mean, he's truly incredible. And whoever those scouts are, I would love if we could track down one of those scouts. Because all of them said, hey, the stuff, that's where he, you know, he, he's a front of, the, <clears throat> front of the line, a starter. Not so sure about the bat. Not sure if the bat's going to play. That was the scouting report coming out of Japan. Now, we've watched him enough to go, This I, he's going to be an all-star this year, and it's not going to be as a pitcher. He and Trout will be in the all-star game this year. They're both going to be in the lineup together. That's how good Shohei Otani is as a hitter. I know for us, the big thing, you know, the win's great. The fact that the Yays are 5-0 and in one-run games, it's just building character. But I know a lot of people want to talk about last night and the challenge. And I can't say it enough. The problem is not the technology. The technology works. The technology showed Elvis was safe at home plate. It's the guys making the call back in New York. Clearly something needs to change. Because if you don't change it and you keep, you know, if Elvis is called safe there, they're not going to call him out. If he's called out, they're not going to call him safe. They're not. They just don't reverse calls. I mean, when Bob Melvin comes out and gets thrown out, he hadn't been thrown out in almost two years. He's not that guy that comes out like that. When you know. Yeah, I mean, you know that if you go out and argue after a challenge and a challenge that you lost, you're immediately ejected. So it really, the credibility of your sport and the credibility of instant replay, instant replay was was supposed to provide clarity to the game, transparency, whatever word you want to use. And now it's not. And there's very little communication. When we talked about it after the game yesterday, how, like in the NFL, when there's a challenge, you know, the head referee, Oakland, challenging the ruling on the field. 
And then they'll bring in the guy in studio, the former referee, and he's explaining everything to you. We get none of that. We don't we just we just see two guys walk over, put headsets on, and then the broadcasters break down the play. And then they either say safer out and there's no explanation. That's just bad for the sport. I would have liked to hear what they saw that they said, you know what? We cannot overturn this call. What was it that you saw? Now, we like the idea, Cody, you and I have talked about this, and we'll ask Martin Gallegos about this. We'll ask Dave Wills from Tampa. Play-by-play announcer is also going to join us. We all like the idea of sending the play back to New York, and they don't know what the call is on the field. But I want to take it further than that. I want to take the umpires out of, out, out of that room. Get video experts and let them make the call. And the reason why is they don't have a relationship with these umpires. You get a hot shot video expert from NYU or from wherever, put them in the room and allow them to make the call. Because they're now not going to be saying, well, I don't want to overturn it because my buddy's behind home plate. That, that That's not going to happen. Take the umpires out of the room because obviously they're not good at it. They have proven that over and over again. And, and I would be saying this either way. Like, let's say that is a Rosarena and, and Murph. I would have said a Rosarena safe. You know, shoe on the other foot. I would have said if that was a Tampa player, I would have been, that's a bad call. He's safe. I mean, I would really love the explanation of why they thought that should not be overturned. There's some that are blatant. That was pretty blatant to me. When you slow it down, and that, that that's what we're supposed to have that advantage, Cody, is that the umpire, it's a bang-bang play. But we're supposed to be able to slow it down with the video. And, yes, you saw Elvis's hand going as he slid head first. You saw his hand, or I think he had the glove on the hand, on the plate and then being tagged. I would love the explanation from New York. I don't know. I, I Maybe maybe Feldman would have it with that special site that he has, that scorekeepers get to see certain plays and the explanation for why it went down. And there's ex-players who give their opinion on the play. But I don't know how you look at that and say he's not safe. I really don't. And then everybody says, well, see, replay doesn't work. No, replay works. It's the humans making the decision back in New York. That is our problem. I agree 100%. Um, and I'm not saying that to be a homer. I We've talked about replay before. It, it, it needs to be fixed. And, I, I, I mean, it's a joke. It really is. And, you know, you don't see a lot of national people talk about it, but Buster Olney has been all over it, saying how bad it, how bad replay has been and how Major League Baseball, if they want to get in front of this, they need to come out and acknowledge when they're wrong, like the NFL does. When the NFL blows a call, they come out the next day and say that they're wrong. Just like the NBA has a two-minute report. They release that later in the week when something happened, and they go either they found findings or they didn't find, and they didn't find something and a, a call that happened in the last two minutes. Baseball doesn't do that. And I love the idea of putting a non-umpire in the room in New York. So it's a, you know, it's not a, you know, as you said, these umpires don't want to embarrass their fellow brethren. Uh, it's going to make them look bad because it's not a good look. But if you have a video guy in there or a former player that's like a third-party kind of person that's really not, you know, it's not partisan to anyone, that's, what you, that's the way you need to go. And I looked up what Bob Melvin's uh, numbers are, what the challenges this year. He's 0 for 4. He was 7 of 23 in 2020. That's 30% overturn rate. He was 41% in 2019, 50% 18 and 17. But every year it's gone down since 2017. So when Bob talks about how he's had his challenges in replay, he's 100% correct. He's over four this year. And last time was his 45th career ejection. And it was rightfully so. He sh- I mean, he went out there and he gave him a piece of his mind and he should have. 
I mean, it was a terrible call. It really was. Yeah, I just don't, you know, I don't know what we're going to do. I, I, I think Martin Gallegos joins us, MLB.com, covers the Oakland Athletics. You know, we're talking about the challenge last night, and you just go, these umpires don't want to overturn calls. It's just blatantly obvious. So we've said, you know, one of two things. Change it to where you send the replay to New York and they don't know what the call is, or you take umpires completely out, get video experts in there who don't know the umpires, so they don't feel like they're going to show the umpires up because they don't have a relationship with them. Replay's not working right now, and it's and it's not the technology. It's the humans back in New York using the technology. How do you feel about it? Man, I mean, just based off yesterday's game, I mean, I feel like there has to be some type of, you know, rehaul of this thing because that was that was about as clear as I've ever seen. I know we had a, a play earlier this season with the Phillies um, at home plate that was kind of egregious as well. But this one, I mean, the, the angle clearly showed he was safe. Um, everybody, I mean, even Tampa Bay side, it seemed like they were all in agreement that it was safe. So, um, you know, I was, it was, I mean, that was about as clear as, as I've ever seen a play and it still didn't get overturned. So, um, you know, something definitely got to change. I know Bob Melvin wasn't happy about it. And he obviously voices this pleasure post game yesterday, but, um, that was, that was, I never seen one that clear, uh, watching a game live that wasn't overturned. That was, that was pretty, pretty crazy to see. Yeah. yeah I knew Bob wasn't thrilled when, you know, his post game interviews, which we play every post game have been around six, seven minutes. It was like a minute 30. I went, oh, Bob wasn't into talking last <laughs> night. And yeah, you see the frustration of it. It's like baseball has to realize your credibility is being challenged when it, it, it's this bad. And also the fact that we get nothing. Like, what were they seeing? Why, why did they think he was not safe? Why can't they tell us? Why can't they give us something? All we get is out and that's it. Yeah, you know, it would it would be good to at least that would be a good step just to get that. I mean, I know in, in the NBA we kind of get those, you know, reports after the game about referees and what they saw. And um yeah, it seems like we're always just kind of left in the dark in these situations. We never really get a full a real explanation of, of what, what went into the decision. And uh, you know, to this point we haven't gotten anything for yesterday's call. Um and I don't know if we'll, we'll get one anytime soon, but um certainly I mean, like you said, something. There, there's got to be a better way to do this. Bottom line, there's got to be a better way to, to go about this. Yeah, there, there's no question. But let's stay on the positive here. They've won 14 of 15, and they've been road warriors this year. And after that start where we were all like, oh, boy, 0-6, 1-7, you know, this is one of the best turnarounds in, in, since the team got to Oakland. There's no doubt. Yeah, I mean, and yeah, the, the way it happened so fast, I mean, it seems like, you know, they, they were saying, you know, throughout the six game losing streak that, you know, they weren't feeling, you know, any pressure or feeling down or anything. Um, and it, it certainly seemed that way. I mean, they were they were just kind of the same team no matter what. And that, that's kind of a credit to Bob Melvin and what he's been able to do in that clubhouse, just instilling that mentality, just kind of staying even keel no matter what's going on. If they're on a big winning streak or losing streak, it doesn't seem like this team kind of changes their personality. They're always the same guys. and um, that certainly showed in that quick turnaround. I mean, to go from such a dramatic turnaround, I mean, the first team in baseball to start 0-6 and win 11 games in the same year, they do it in the same month. I mean, that's just crazy. It never happens. But, I mean, with this team, they're just starting to play like the way we knew they 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 would play. I think, you know, we saw in spring training how good they were, and I know spring training doesn't mean a whole lot, but, I mean, we've seen how good this team was the last three seasons, and to see them start 0-6, I think we all kind of were scratching our heads. But, I mean, the way they were going, everything was going wrong for them. There was no way that was going to happen the whole season. I don't think we expected it to turn around this quickly, but they're starting to play like like the way we, we know they can. They've got a really good lineup. They're starters. There's not really one guy that stands out, but they've got a pretty good group of starters there. And their bullpen, even without Trevor Rosenthal, they seem to have a good bridge um, to close out games between Diekman and, and Trevino and even Petit is starting to pitch more like the Petit that we know here in recent uh, starts as well, recent outings as well. So, I mean, they're starting to just play all around the way like the A's we've seen in the last couple of years. You know, yes, Merrill is amazing. I mean, <laughs> this guy, you know, throwing the ball 85 miles an hour. My theory on this is that these hitters are so used to seeing 95 plus now, even 100. When you got a guy coming in from the right side, 
and he's flipping a breaking ball up there like 80, 78 miles an hour, a fastball at like 85. They just don't have the timing for it. And they're just not used to someone like that. They're used to such high velocity. And it's just, it truly is amazing. And just talk about how Bob puts him in some of the worst situations <laughs> and the guy gets out of it. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I mean, I, I kind of, I come up with like this, this gift that I found on Twitter is just ice water in his veins. That, that's what he has. He's got ice water in his veins. Whenever he comes in, you know, to a tough situation, it doesn't seem to affect him. He's just the same guy on the mound and he's so cool. And just getting those, those big outs against really good hitters. I mean, he comes in and he'll face the middle of the order. A lot of times these guys who can hit bombs and he's coming up there with his 89 mile per hour fastball. And, and he somehow is able to just keep guys off balance. And then, like you mentioned, it, it obviously make it plays a huge factor when you got a guy like Frankie Montas throwing 98 miles per hour throughout the day. And then you go to such a sharp drop in velocity with Petit. Guys can't really pick up on it. And, you know, he's been able to go multi-innings. He's been a multi-inning guy for a while now. And we've seen that. We saw that yesterday. He went two innings and he looked pretty sharp there as well. So, I mean, it just seems like no matter how old he gets, he's still the same guy. He's the type of guy who I think could pitch into his 40s if he really wanted to. And he'd, he'd have a pretty good role on any team just because he knows what to do to get outs. He's so um, – knowledge. his knowledge is crazy. I mean, if you talk to him, um, a lot of times, you know, we get to talk to him in, in English and, and maybe he doesn't get to expand as much as he does in Spanish. But I know from talking to him just in the clubhouse, the guy is so – he has such a big knowledge on all the hitters around the league. You ask him about any hitter and he has – he knows he knows what they like, what, what they look for, what, what they struggle against. And uh, that obviously helps with the other pitchers on the staff as well. He's kind of a mentor to them. And um, he's such a big – uh, you know, just asset in that team aside from just what he brings on the mound, just what he's able to do in the clubhouse. He's tr definitely a leader on that team. And you saw it when they were excited to get him back. He was a big addition for them to, to come back this season as a, as a free agent. Yeah. Cause he's the guy everybody can go to, whether it's about on the field, off the field, business, how to handle yourself. That was, I think that's the one thing we've learned. And normally Let's face it, a middle reliever is not going to be the leader of your team, but that's how much respect everybody has for him because he is, I mean, we may not see it, but all the players tell us and they tell you, yeah, this is the guy. Yeah, I mean, they, they look up to, I mean, Luzardo calls him like a second dad. I mean, Bassett has learned so much from him, just his preparation. He's, he's kind of adopted his, his uh, workout, pregame workout routine. A lot of the pitchers on the staff have, adopted his pregame workout routine and he's so durable i mean i don't remember the last time he went on the on the injured list he's probably only gone there a couple times in his career so he's been so durable and he knows how to get through with the grind of a full season he's won world series i mean he he's done it all he's done it all in this league he was basically banished from the from mlb for a couple of years because he was performing so bad and he went to mexico and kind of reinvented himself he's been through it all so i know the players and bob melvin respects him bob melvin i mean he might be one of bob melvin's top top three favorite players ever. I mean, he's known him for so long and he just always, every time we ask about him, he just gushes over him, just loves him and can't say enough good things about him. So, I mean, I'm, I'm glad he's back just cause he's a, he's a good guy um, in the clubhouse. And, and he's obviously been a big, big factor here early on in this, in this success that the A's have had. So I, I got the front page of the game notes today and it's just, it's whether it's the starters, the bullpen, the hitting, you know, winning close games. Is there anything that has surprised you for this ball club for this uh, early part of the season? I think it's probably been the seamless transition uh, in the late innings with Trevino just kind of stepping up as the closer. I mean, I thought, you know, with Rosenthal going down, there was a little bit of uncertainty there. Who was going to take over the closer role for a long time? We thought Jake Diekman was going to be the guy. Um, and he still might get some opportunities. He's actually closed out a couple games here recently, but um, I think we all kind of thought Trevino could be the guy as long as, you know, he was able to kind of show more of the turnaround stuff that he, that he had in spring training. And, and at the end of last year, he's always had the stuff, but we just were wondering if he could actually do it in the ninth. And so far he's gotten every save opportunity and he's, he's performed well in it. He's looked like a guy who's done it before. And he's really, I mean, just brought stability to that role. That, that was the one area where I thought, you know, maybe they could see some struggles here early on. That hasn't been the case. Early on, they didn't get any save opportunities, but now that they've been in those situations, they've they've gotten them all. They've converted them all. I don't think they've blown a save yet, and they're one of maybe maybe the only team who's done that this year. So um, credit to them just stepping up and everybody kind of elevating the role with a with a loss with Rosenthal. That was a big loss. I mean, they, they signed them with big expectations to replace Hendricks, and 
they're kind of replacing Hendricks on their own right now with other arms that are contributing. You know, Frankie Montas going tonight has allowed an MLB worst 10 barrels this season tied with two others. And I read that and I go, a guy that has that kind of stuff, that's just, isn't that head scratching? Yeah, I mean, you expect that I mean, he's going to miss bats all the time. And, and and he's looked dominant at times. I mean, the, the start he had before his last one against the Tigers, I mean, he was lights out. I know it's the Tigers, but, um, you know, the last even the start before that against the Astros, he looked well. He just has kind of been inconsistent. Even, even last year, it was kind of in, hit or miss. He started out great last year and then kind of fell off. He had a back issue that he was dealing with. So it's just kind of inconsistency right now. You want to see a little bit more um, stability, you know, there knowing what you're going to get every fifth fifth start, fifth day. You know, so far it hasn't been the case. Um, we'll see tonight against Tampa Bay. Um, but, you know, you, you, you expect him to be one of your top guys. I mean, he's, he's been here for a few years now, and, and you expect him to kind of be a workhorse type guy who could go deep into games consistently. And uh, I know the A's are still looking to see that on a more steady basis. We'll see if he could get that turned around here. How do you think it plays out for Mike Fires? Well, it sounds like it's it's set in stone that it'll be in the bullpen right now. I mean, over the course of a season, I mean, they're going to need another starter at some point, whether it's someone goes down due to injury or uh, someone starts, you know, struggling a little bit, or they need to just give a guy an extra day of rest. I'm sure he's going to get a start at some point. I don't think he'll stay in the bullpen the whole year. But right now, they're just, they're just going to use him, I guess, as a long relief guy. And I know it's kind of a, you know, a tough situation for him because he's been such a big part of this team the last three years and has been the that veteran guy you can rely on. Um, you know, in terms of just going out there and giving you a, a quality start every time out um, over the last three years since he joined the A's. I mean, he's been such a steady guy there. So it's tough for him to transition. I'm sure Bob Melvin doesn't feel too um, great about it, having to, you know, put him in the bullpen for now. But, I mean, it seems like he's all he's all in on helping the team however they can. I mean, he's in a good spot, a team that's a perennial playoff contender, and he can contribute in any way he can. I think they're going to try to try to find ways for him to, to do that. Whether it's maybe a guy doesn't go as deep into a game, he can kind of be the bridge guy to the late inning, late inning uh, relievers. Uh, we'll see how it goes early on here, but it sounds like for the short term, at least he's going to be a reliever. You know, it's uh, I've been joking with everybody. I know everybody wants to get back out on the road, but uh, four days at the trop and then that long flight home from St. Petersburg. Uh, I, I think being at your house probably isn't that bad of a deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah no that that trip to Tampa Bay is tough man I, I don't miss that one I, I like going to Florida but I mean I don't miss that long flight for sure great stuff buddy we appreciate it we'll talk to you soon all right Tony thanks Martin Gallegos from MLB.com coming up next we head to Tampa and our friend Dave Wills who calls games for the Rays will join us right here on A's Cast Live hi this is Sean Manaya. And you're listening to A's Cast, your 24-7 destination for A's baseball. Dave, how are you? It's good to see you. Hello, Chris. How are you? Oh, well, you know, life is pretty good for the Oakland A's right now. You know, it started out rough, but amazing the turnaround that this ball club has had. Yeah, I think I could suffer through winning, what, uh, 14 out of 15 games every couple of weeks. Uh, that's not so bad, but, uh, yeah, it's uh, we're trying to turn things around here in Tampa Bay, uh, but, and I'd be right now, I'd be satisfied with one, uh, in the right direction for this team. We're just having a tough time putting some, uh, you know, hits together, some runs on the board, but, you know, I think at the bottom, the bottom line is it's all about pitching and defense for us. And our defense has been there, uh, for the most part, all season long, maybe a little sloppy at the beginning of the year, but over the last couple, two or three weeks, it's been better. And our pitching, I still think, uh, as I say to Andy, many times during our broadcast, I think it's a little bit like my dad's 69 Vista Cruiser that I was learning how to drive back in 1980. Uh, most times it would start, be a little rough at the beginning and uh, maybe, uh, you know, kind of putter around for a little while. But once it got going, it really started to hum. So, uh, uh, you know, I think right now we're kind of waiting for this line, this pitching staff to kind of all come together. And, and hopefully it will here. We got a nice start from Mitch Hill yesterday. We're hoping for more of the same from Michael Walkett here tonight. Yeah, how about our our, our our old friend Rich Hill at 41 years old, still spinning that breaking ball up there? Breaking ball, cutter. I mean, uh, there was nothing straight yesterday against the A's, and uh, it was nice to see for him. I think he needed that uh, as much as we needed to see it because he had been struggling a little bit. He'd been giving up four runs at each of his starts, uh, whether that start was six innings long, four innings long, or two innings long. So I'm sure he was happy to see a start where he gave up uh, less than that. And really – uh, you know, one mistake, uh, you know, again, 
you know, and, and it's hard to argue when you give up a couple of hits and you strike out 10. I'll take that kind of performance from Mitch Hill uh, every single day and twice on Sunday if we need it. But uh, it was definitely good to see and uh, much needed to uh, keep this Rays uh, offense that really has been uh, rather quiet here over the last few days, uh, at least within striking distance. You know, for years, the A's have been slow starters. And the theory behind it is there's always new guys coming into the clubhouse and they've got to learn to win together and play together. And it takes a while. Uh, this core for the A's, not so much. The core has been here now for a couple of years. There's a sprinkle of some other, some new guys, but for the most part, is that maybe the problem going on with the Rays right now? There was a lot of change and you guys are at this point learning how to play together. I think there's maybe a little bit to that, but, uh, you know, I think the biggest thing right now for us, we, we've lost, I think, three games this uh, year already where we had the lead in the seventh inning or later, which is something that we haven't done for the past couple of years when our bullpen's been intact. I mean, when you take a team that goes to the World Series and you already subtract Blake Snell and Charlie Morton from it because of a, a trade and because of a free agency, and then before you even start the season, your best reliever and Nick Anderson goes down with an arm injury, and then you start the season, and your second-best reliever, and Pete Fairbanks, goes down with a shoulder injury, and then you lose Cody Reed, who was supposed to be a high-leverage guy, and uh, you know you just uh, go down the line. I think all those things add up. I, I think when you mentioned it, we have a core. I think our everyday lineup is pretty much the same guys that we had toward the end of last year and then into this season. And, and right now, those guys are the ones that are kind of being a drag on this team. Our offense, especially with runners in scoring position, has not been what it needs to be. And, uh, you know... We are, our, our, our ID, our DNA is all about run prevention. And the defense has been there because those guys have played together now for the last several years. Our pitching is still kind of rounding its way into form because we've got a couple of moving parts in there. We brought in Waka, we brought in Hill. Uh, we're trying to see how about preserving some innings on some guys. Tyler Glass now has been tremendous. Uh, even in his last couple of games where he's had little hiccups, those are games that uh, he lasted to what, the fifth or sixth inning on. And those are games maybe two years ago or even last year. He probably doesn't even get out of the first or second inning. So I think our pitching is going to be fine. I think our defense is going to be outstanding. My concern right now is about the offense. We're seeing a lot of the same things that we saw for the last six weeks of the regular season last year and then into the postseason without the benefit of Randy Rosarena going nuts. And, uh, and right now Randy's getting base hits, but he's not hitting home runs every other bat like he was last October. Yeah, I got the note on him. He he's only hitting 455 with four runs and four RBIs in the last six games. I mean, is that any good? <laughs> you know what? Can, they say hitting is contagious, so he's got to take his mask off and get that to some of the other guys in our lineup. Uh, you know, it's it's he's he's been good. I mean, you know, the other thing is right now they've really been giving him a steady diet of fastballs at the top of the zone, and he's had a tough time laying off it. Now, those are borderline pitches. Some could be strikes. We don't know if the umpire is going to call them strikes because he never takes one. Uh, you know, but he's been getting on top of those a little bit and a lot more ground balls. Uh, the other day uh, in one of our uh, final games we had over the weekend against the Blue Jays, he did get underneath one and hit a big three-run homer for us, uh, much needed. But, yeah, he's been he's been good. He's, he's going to go up there and swing. Would love to see him maybe start thinking about taking some walks. But, you know what, when the other guys behind you are struggling, kind of like they did last uh, October, uh, you know, he, he's providing a big, big chunk of the offense. Joey Wendell's been really, really good. He's going through a little bit of a quiet spell here over the last couple of days. But, uh, you know, I, I asked Kevin Cash with uh, my broadcast partner, Andy Free just a couple of moments ago. I said, why does it seem like it's so much easier for eight or nine guys to go into a slump at the same time than it is to get eight or nine guys hot? And uh, he hopes we can turn things around here over the next few days. You know, the Northeast just drives me nuts. And... You know, they're talking about, oh, you know, the Rays are the little brother of the Yankees. Like, no, they're not. The Rays have been beating up the Yankees at seven straight series, uh, including the, the postseason. This narrative has to stop. <laughs> but it's not. You know, we've only got one writer, Mark Topkin, uh, compared to their uh, stable full, uh, taking a term from Kevin Cash. You know, it's it's and and also the, the narrative is a lot easier when the national guys are, you know, quite honestly, as Andy and I will also attest, I think sometimes just a little lazy because they do get all the information on the Yankees and the Red Sox because they are so, uh, you know, based out of the Northeast where they read and, and gather more information about them than the little tidbits they might get on the Rays uh, here and there from Mark Topkin or from our broadcasts or what have you. So 
uh, if they were to do, dig like you did, and you just mentioned it, all right, we, we've dominated the Yankees. And, you know, even to the point where D.J. LeMahieu at the beginning of the year said, uh, we're better than them. We did, They just got uh, a couple of breaks. Well, I don't know how you get just a couple of breaks and win a regular season eight to two and then get just a couple of breaks and win a postseason uh, three games to two and then do what we've done so far here in 2021. I think as Andy and I said, though, last night, too, as we were walking out of the ballpark, we've dominated the Yankees so far this season. we got to start learning how to beat somebody else, though. And uh, it won't matter if we don't learn how to beat anybody else what we do against the Yankees because uh, we're going to be uh, too far down to make any kind of a difference. What did you guys say on your broadcast last night with the challenge and Elvis at the plate being called out? And how did you guys see it and how did you talk about it? Well, you know, originally, uh, you know, we, we looked at it. When I saw the first replay, I thought he was safe. Um, and we talked about it and we, we kind of figured, uh, you know, that maybe there would be a reversal. But at the same time, uh, I've had a chance to go to the, uh, you know, the command center in New York City. And I can kind of understand a little bit of what they're thinking. And I, I looked and I said, you know what, there, could he have touched that sleeve? Could there have been just a minuscule swipe of the sleeve? And we've been on the other side of it, Chris, where I've said, uh, you know, if it had been called safe originally, there's no way that gets overturned out. And so I'm sure that's what Bo Mel was complaining about at the end. Uh, maybe a little bit of the, uh, the, the positioning of the umpire. Uh, you know, it's nowhere near what happened in that Atlanta-Philadelphia game. Uh, but like I said, you know, we don't look at it with, uh, you know, uh, raised blue glasses on. I, I think originally and still we thought that if we were in those seats in New York City, we probably would have said he was safe. But at the same time, to the letter of the law, we could not tell if maybe he did swipe the sleeve. Maybe there was just one little nick of the sleeve. And so if there's not clear and convincing evidence, I guess that's the way you have to come back. But I can understand why A's fans would be uh, somewhat upset about that particular call because originally we saw the first couple of re uh, highlights. Andy and I thought he might have got his hand in there before the tag was applied. So what is the command center like? I know there's umpires there. Are there video specialists there? What yeah. did you see? Yeah, there are video specialists who actually do handle the stopping and the starting and the maneuvering of the frame by frame or whatever it's called now, pixel by pixel. I'm not sure of all the terms. That's why I stick with radio, but uh, among other reasons. But, you know, it's one of those things where uh, there, there are people there. There's a, a, an umpire that's overseeing this, telling him to stop, switch to, you know, camera number six, switch to camera number four. Uh, there were some things, too, where they could actually rotate, and, and now they can sync up picture by picture. Uh, to, to actually see uh, from one angle to another if they think that they see a tag or don't see a tag, to see if the tag's being placed while the hand's going on the plate or, in the case of a guy in the bases, on the bases. So, uh, they, they, I mean, it really does. It's really an impressive setup. It really is. Um, I know they took a lot of hits for that Sunday night uh, snafu that they had. I don't understand how you messed that up. But uh, overall, I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, Major League Baseball replay. There's also a supervisor there, an umpire supervisor in attendance to maybe give him a second set of eyes. There's other, there's a, I think maybe even one other umpire that might be in attendance too. So they, they've got, if, if there's a tough, tough call, they've got different sets of eyes. But at the end of the day, it's the guy who's in charge of that game that will ultimately make that call. Do, do you buy the theory that some people believe they just don't want to overturn a lot of calls because it makes their their guys look bad? I'm, I've never been a real big conspiracy theorist guy. Going into everything that's going on in this world, too, right now, I mean, we've had a lot of uh, people that want to talk about conspiracy theories. I'd like to believe in the good in people. I, I want to believe that the people in New York, just like the people on the field, want to get that call right. Um, if you hear my broadcasts, uh, you know, I'll be the first to call it an umpire if he gets it wrong, but I know they have a very, very tough job to do. And I really, truly believe that at the end of the day, they want to get the call right. And, and, and it, you know, if you, if you purposely, if you're trying to protect your buddy on the field to prevent him from losing points, all you're doing is really hurting the game. You're not just hurting yourself and your buddy. You're hurting the entire game. So I, I don't think there's anything, my opinion, I don't think there's any truth in, in the fact that they want to protect their buddy. I really, truly believe the umpires want to get the call right. And, uh, and, and that's just my opinion. Well, hopefully with the CDC starting to lighten up on the guidelines, I don't know. You guys might be able to travel soon. I know you traveled during the, the postseason. We did. We uh, ended up going out to San Diego for the American League Championship Series. And then we also traveled for the World Series in uh, Arlington, Texas. And uh, I understand we just uh, talked with Mark Topkin, our beat writer for the Tampa Bay Times, that the Rays uh, Tier 1 people have reached the 85% threshold. 
So now it's just a matter of maybe another week or 10 days for everybody to get their uh, two weeks in after their last shots. And then we'll see how it plays out. I know that Major League Baseball still has a lot of protocols in place that uh, prevent us right now from getting on the charter. Um, I'm not sure Andy and I uh, really want to start the traveling commercial to get the place to place. Uh, it's not very convenient from Tampa Bay. Uh, the closest uh, road uh, trip in our division is Baltimore, and that's still over two hours away. So uh, we'll have to wait and see how it plays out. I know we're anxious to get back on the road. Um, you know, it's, I know it's going to be a different place than it was two years ago. Uh, a lot of my favorite establishments, unfortunately, probably didn't survive COVID or uh, maybe are under new management or what have you. But the bottom line is, in this day and age, in 2021, most of our jobs are getting easier because of technology, so on and so forth. Our job is getting harder. Trying to call a game off a monitor where you see, uh, you know, again, the uh, the static shot from behind home plate where we're trying to see if a white dot or a gray dot got a ball or uh, what the black dot is saying from far away. And this little minuscule white thing that's flying around, we don't know if it's uh, a pixel that went astray or if it's the baseball. It's it's really been kind of tough. It's, we uh, When we leave a ball game that we do here at Tropicana Field with the players behind us, uh, it, it's like doing a regular game as always. And now with the fans back in the stands, albeit limited, it's even better. But when we do a ball game off of the monitor, uh, you know, I leave here with a headache. My eyes are killing me. And it's just a challenge. We're just trying to fight to bring our fans the uh, the proper broadcast that they deserve. And um, I know there are some people out there that say you can't tell. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't know for Andy. I can't speak for Andy, but I try to make four or five mistakes on purpose just so our bosses want to uh, send us back. Uh, I don't want them to think that we're doing such a great job. Let's end on this because we had Brett Phillips on yesterday. And obviously he's no no fun, is he? Oh, God. And so is Seminole, Florida, right, right, right by Tampa? Seminole, Florida is part of Pinellas County. It's a it's a town right here that's next to uh, St. Pete, Clearwater, uh, on your way toward uh, the great beaches of uh, St. Pete, Clearwater and uh, Seminole's uh, right down. You know, you can go right down. 22nd Avenue or, or actually Gandy and, and run right into it. Don Zimmer actually lived in Seminole before he passed. Uh, his wife Soot still lives there. So it's within striking distance of Tropicana Field just a couple minutes away. And uh, he, he really, I mean, it, he's a guy who burst onto the scene with that laugh. And then last year even uh, grew from that with that big hit. And he's been uh, a great guy to have in the clubhouse and in the area that, you know, in this COVID uh, situation that we're in, he did some nice things for us during the offseason as he visited with fans. And uh, I can't be happy. I'm, I'm, the only thing I'm disappointed with is that Andy and I really have not yet had a chance to meet with him. We've talked to him on Zooms. We've talked to him over the clubhouse uh, and the dugout, Mike, but have not really had a chance to meet with him one-on-one. And we're really looking forward to do that. Yeah, he, he may. I think he made the best point I've heard about the Rays where he said, hey, listen, when Tampa, when Tampa was established, he was only four years old. So – it's been building a fan base year after year. We're now going to have, we're now going to start having generations of kids who are growing up and then they're having kids. And it's like the fan base is really starting to build. And that's, you know, one of the challenges of an expansion team. But I thought it was a great point that, you know, he was four years old, but now when his kids and that next generation kid started to really build that fan base. And I think it's, it's, it's coming. And I think again, when there are uh, almost a thousand people coming into the state of Florida on a daily basis, uh, you know, again, this market's only going to continue to grow. Um, I know there's still a lot of things going on as far as the stadium issue with us. I'm privy to some of the information. Uh, I read most of it in the newspapers or find out more on uh, on television. Uh, we're still talking about the sister city concept, but I'm a guy that uh, has uh, my residence is on the other side of the bay in Tampa, where I think there are more moms, dads, Wallies, and the Beavers where. Uh, again, there are more and more people uh, uh, building out there east of Tampa. If you moved over to the Tampa side, you'd also then incorporate Lakeland and Orlando a little bit more. Uh, you go north to Wesley Chapel, and that place is uh, just absolutely exploding. On a, you know, they're building thousand uh, thousand home, uh, you know, neighborhoods by the month it seems. And so, I'm, I'd be a big fan of moving over to the Tampa side. And I think it would work over there. But right now, we're still trying to dot the I's and cross the T's on the sister city concept. Um, you know, I'll see how that plays out, but uh, I, I still think that baseball would do well in this market. We've got a great TV market. I think the, the misnomer on this is, again, that nobody cares, and I think I've told you guys before, and I know you guys have done your homework. Our TV ratings are usually number one in the market. Our radio ratings are very, very good. 
at or near the top of the market on a nightly basis. And our social media hits are uh, as good as any team in baseball at, at our market size. So people care about the Rays. We've just had a tough time getting them to come into the seats here at Tropicana Field. And that's why I think getting, you know, going to more to where some of those masses are would be a step in the direction. But we'll have to wait and see how this all plays out. Well, it's great to see you. I can't wait for the day. You know how we do this show on the field down the third baseline. I can't wait to the day we got you back on the program on the field in Oakland. Be well, my friend. Have a great call. And hopefully we'll all see each other soon. I sure hope so. Thanks again, as always, for having me. I appreciate it. Have a blast. Take care. See you guys later. Oh, that was awesome. You can't see him, but we get to see him. He's a good guy. Good broadcaster, but a really good, good guy. Yeah, I, I always say that I think the Rays, I mean, they're bro- all the broadcasters are great. We're going to talk to Brian Anderson tomorrow, the former major leaguer. He was on the 01 Diamondbacks team. Uh, uh, good friend of uh, Bob Melvin. Yeah, he's going to be on this tomorrow. But, and even and our guy, Dwayne Stats, I mean, he's a he's a legend. He's always, He's been with the team since they started. So they have good broadcasters. They've been good to us. They enjoy coming off us. I mean, Brett Phillips. As a, as a friend of the program now, he, he talked to you like you guys have known each other for 30 years. And then, <laughs> obviously, obviously we have our relation with Cashy. Um, really, he's kind of hard to get a hold of anymore. Yeah, he's kind of busy. Uh, but, you know, he's he's so a guy we enjoy talking to, too. They they do a really good job down there. I, that's why a lot of people say the similarities between us and, and Tampa. It's, it's 100% accurate when you look at a lot of different stuff. It's They're both very well-run organizations, and the people inside of it make it who they are. Yeah, they're 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 very similar to us. Their issues are very similar to us. They, you know, the analytics and how they build a baseball team very similar to us. You know, we have to be fundamentally sound. We've got to play good defense. I mean, Bob Melvin will tell you the hallmark of this team has been the defense. We hit more home runs than they do. But and then there's always, you know, a little bit of the World Series hangover. But got to keep it rolling today. Michael Waka, the former St. Louis Cardinal, going up against Frankie Montaz. What time are we on till? Uh, 2.55, so we got another, like, I would say about five minutes. All right, well, a little buying or selling. Yeah, I do want to ask you, uh, well, let me hit the open. It's time for buying or selling. Sell, sell. Right now with Chris Townsend on A's Cast Live. Uh... For today, for pregame, would you rather – who do you want to hear from, Martin or Dave Wills? Dave Wills talking about everything with Tampa, and Martin was really good explaining the MLB replay. So you tell me, and I'll have it ready for Scott Pastorino back in the studio. So I don't know if you saw the news. Uh, I'm going to start with the Braves, then I'll get to the big news. On Sunday, the Braves were embarrassed by Madison Bumgarner and the Diamondbacks. They had one hit in a doubleheader that was first started by Zach Allen, and then Madison Bumgarner had his, well, I believe it's a no-hitter, but we're not going to credit it as a no-hitter, but we'll, that we can do that another day. Danzy Swanson decided to change things up, the Brave shortstop. He burned sage throughout the bowels of uh, Trust Park before the game, hoping that the uh, herb would spark the team. The Braves had 10 hits. They scored eight runs. Swanson hit an opposite field home run. Here's what Swanson said after the game. Every bit of area I could find in this place, I went into. I might have to bring some tomorrow. Now, here's what Brian Sitker, the manager of the Braves, said. He pretty much said, I never heard of it. I'll plant it. I'll plant some of it. I'll put sage in my soup. We've seen Kyrie Irving do this with the Brooklyn Nets, and it, I guess it works for them. Buying or selling sage burning will turn around the Braves' 2021 season. Hey, whatever you think, whatever whatever you believe in, if you believe it's your lucky underwear or your lucky socks or – you're you know, going to the same uh, same way to the ballpark every day, or Bob Melvin's got his lucky pins. Whatever you think is going to help you be successful, I'm all for it. I'm not superstitious, <laughs> but you know, some people are, and they believe that that lucky pair of sleeves, or you know, whatever it is. I put a a baseball card of my hero in my back pocket. I don't know, whatever you believe in. You believe that's going to make you successful? Go ahead and do it. Well, I I, I got to get to this because uh, I texted to you earlier. Kind of a crutch, though. It is kind of a crutch. I which that's why I'm not superstitious. Yeah. Well, I, I got to we got to we got to get into this because I've talked about this before, and I want to say finally someone listened to what I had to say. 
My extra inning rule is finally coming true. The Pioneer League announced today that they will use a new knockout rule for extra innings. Under the rule, each team designates a hitter who receives five pitches with the game determined by the most home runs hit. If still tied after the first knockout run, another hitter is selected for a sudden death home run faceoff until winner is declared. In addition to the knockout rule, the league was also experimenting with a designated pinch hitter rule, allowing a player to pinch hit four before returning to their defensive position for reminder remainder of the game. Buying or selling the home run derby rule and extra innings? I'm all for it. I think it'd be incredible. It'd absolutely be incredible. I just hope it happens. You know, hopefully the Pioneer League's not like the Atlantic League where it's like it's something Major League Baseball is trying to try new theories and new rules out in. But still, to see another league try to implement this, now they work in part in partner with with, with uh, Major League Baseball. But to see this, it's a great step in the in the right direction to cut down on these four-hour baseball games with the score two to one uh, that we're uh, seeing all the time. Oh, yeah. Like last night, our game was two hours and 51 minutes, and there was only three runs scored. Well, that's a that's a fast game. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. We're used to three uh, and a half. <laughs> just, just think about this. So if the A's and the Angels are tied, is it going to be Trout against Matt Olson? You wouldn't you wouldn't you wouldn't tune in to watch Trout against Matt Olson in home run derby to decide the game. And if they tie, it's going to be Otani against Matt Chapman. Yeah, it's a good one. And if, if they tie again, it's Rendon versus Marcana. I mean, you can just go down the list. I mean, but yeah, you're not going to sit there and watch Matt Matt, uh, Mike, Matt Olson and Mike Trout hit five pitches each and see who hits more home runs. Come on, it's a brilliant oh. idea. It I is. I don't need to see uh, 17 inning games to take, in, you know, that you're not getting off the air until 3 in the morning because the game oh. ended in the 17th inning. Hey, hey, that's what's been good about the runner on second. We don't have we don't we don't have games going deep, 13, 14 innings. That, that, that's uh, but the old school people. That's not baseball. You know you're going to get pushback. That's not how the game should be decided. Yeah, exactly. Get off my lawn. Yeah, I, I'm going to save a couple of the other ones, especially one of them being about uh, building a winner in Colorado, which we can do tomorrow because, uh, you know, their GM stepped down yesterday. Um, yeah. th- sorry, m- mutually parted ways. He wasn't fired. You know, you know, just 21 games after trading Nolan Arenado, he just randomly quits uh, out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess that's what happens. <laughs> All righty, that is going to do it for A's Cast Live. I'm going to be back. What are we playing next? Oh, we're gonna. People are going to hear from – Brett Phillips before A's Total Access at uh, 310. All right, so I'll be back with A's Total Access at 310. Thank you for listening, everybody, and we want to thank Dave Wills from the Rays and also Martin Gallegos, and we'll see you tomorrow here at 2 o'clock for another edition of A's Cast Live. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. 